Hello everyone and welcome back to another Rowdy Buddhist Podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. Today I wanted to talk about specifically, there's an idea of the three types of learning and practice which are made up of precepts, contemplation, and wisdom. That is Kai, precepts, Jo, contemplation, and E, which is wisdom. And Basically, in this podcast, I want to be able to share, through my experience of understanding many different practices in Buddhism, uh, the most essential and most effective way uh, of Nijin and Shonen's writings and, and teaching. And, and actually, from my own experience, why I've been able to come to this conclusion. Now... In a letter that was written to, uh, of course, the uh, founder of our lineage, uh, that would be Lord Toki, also known as Toki Jonin. Uh, Buddhist name that he was given by Nichiren Shonin is Nichijo. And he was, of course, ordained after the passing of Nichiren Shonin. And at that time, he took for himself the name Nichijo. But actually, uh, people think that perhaps he was ordained before, but he was a lord in the samurai service, so he couldn't officially be ordained until he retired. Um, and, of course, his residence, as we know today, has been turned and converted into the Hokekyoji Temple, uh, which is now usually known as Nakayama Hokekyoji Um this is where they hold the 100-day Dai Aragyo. And it's interesting because even though Lord uh, Toki Jonin was a layperson in all senses, uh, but people believe he may have been a lay priest, um, that actually Nichiren and Shonen supported him with a lot of really crucial doctrines. Uh, and they he was in charge of communicating them to other supporters and followers because Nietzsche and Shonen really um, respected him and had confidence in him. Uh, and also the questions that Toki Jonin asked were really amazing because obviously as being a practitioner in daily life as opposed to someone who is a priest, the problems were a little bit different. And in dealing with family members, with lords, etc., and having one's faith and practice, how that worked, was a very wonderful insight into the practice. And, and through these letters and responses, uh, we can be able to have that experience. So I wanted to show, sh share with you today, there was a letter uh, written by Nichiren and Shonen on April 10th, 1277. And its, its title is Shinshin Gohon Sho. And basically that is... That translates roughly to the four stages of faith and the five kinds of practices. Now, as we listen to this letter, well, I'm not going to read the letter. I'm just going to talk about what was in the letter so you can take a chance to read that. But you can see the very close relationship that they had and how much he offered and offered alms and took care of Nijin and Shonen. It's, it's quite extraordinary. And so, therefore one of the issues that he specifically talks about in this letter is the issue that was the inadequacies of practitioners in the Mapo age. And 
he really wanted to know, according to how I feel, uh, or my interpretation, is that Tokijonin really had wanted to know by this inquiry what was needed in practicing the true Buddha Dharma in this era, which is the Mapo, which is the declining era, which is uh, the um, Dharma end, ending age. And in this response, Nichiren Shonen does mention these uh, three uh, types of learning and practice. Because this is basically across Buddhism. Usually Buddhism in any sect will follow or focus on specifically one of these points. Uh, and in this point, they believe that, of course, as we see in many doctrines, if you understand one point, it usually supports the other two points. So they're usually not disconnected separately. and They're usually interconnected. And as I said, that they were the Kai, the precepts, Joel, contemplation, and A, wisdom. So you will see different traditions follow and, and specify or focus in on one of those specifically. So he states that precepts, contemplation, and wisdom, as I said, the three types of learning and practicing, these are the three objectives that we strive, that we, that we want to acquire in practicing Buddhism. And again, another way of looking at it, you may, uh, these may be the entrances for how people enter Buddhism. A lot of people, of course, enter contemplation through meditation, right? Some people may enter it in the idea of the precepts. But this is a really important lecture because it allows us to understand the idea, the basically theory or practice, not theory, but application of those in the practice of the chanting of the Daimoku, which of course is the uh, pinnacle and focus of Nichiren and Shonen's writings and, and teachings. And so we have first the precepts. The practice, the practice of the precepts are, as we see, and people have been talking about uh, Peaceful Practices chapter of the Lotus Sutra, that is basically deterring evil and doing good. That means that one is able to support their practice by turning away from evil. When they say evil, that means, of course, negative uh, influences or negative karma, ne negative actions that have negative influences or actions on one's uh, psyche, one's uh, physical, mental health, etc. And the second is, of course, contemplation. And, and some people translate this as ecstasy. But actually, if you look at the stages of contemplation, that actually it would be, as they move forward through, it's the idea of moving towards to joy, to kind of ecstasy, and then ultimately uh, in an idea of equanimity, equilibrium. Equilibrium meaning the having the highest stage of the Buddha's awakening through contemplation. And the third is wisdom, which is, means having the awareness to see the truth of all matters and through arriving at the stake of tranquility. And when they're talking about this tranquility, that, that of course is referring back to the idea of uh, uh, the equilibrium that is the state of the Buddha. And wisdom, of course, as we see, uh, I, I'll just explain it really quick. In the idea of Buddhism, the idea of wisdom means the deep roots into uh, the understanding. So it's not a very shallow understanding through just information. But it's actually something that can be understood and practically applied. 
So it is this deeper level of awareness, this deeper level of of um, wisdom that we speak of, and so so there's a lot of lectures on that. So I won't continue. I won't go any further into that. But so these are the practices that we must go through in the practice of Buddhism, and, and again, many traditions tend to focus on one as their uh, main practice, and as one adheres to the precepts one can attain a special spiritual state of equilibrium called ecstasy. And when they're saying about ecstasy, that's the idea of um, like a joyful. And then they have the idea of the um, kind of awakening or spontaneous uh, happy, well, not happiness, but a state of tranquility is the better word for it. Tranquility and then into equilibrium. Matters uh, that are contemplated while we reside in the state of tranquility or ecstasy allow us to receive insight, and then we're able to receive the teachings of the of the Buddha as they truly are. That's the contemplation of wisdom. And if 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 we're able to progress through all three of these practices, uh, you know, if we had to progress through all three of these practices, and they were a requirement applied to all. Would anyone in this declining latter age, you know, 3,000 years after the Buddha's passing, be able to do it, to qualify? Because we see this in the sutra that actually, and that this is the genius of the Buddha, that he knew that 3,000 years after his passing, that the teaching would become confused. It would become different. He understood that. that that's this idea of, Oh, true wisdom that you could see into the past, the present, and the future, and that's the idea of true wisdom. That even not just seeing what you can do today, but seeing into the infinite future of how the teaching should be um, given to people, and that's why, as we see with Grandmaster Tantai's listing of the sutras and the periods of the the periods of teaching, they are ingeniously and compassionately and with wisdom taught in a certain way and that's the, that's the enlightenment of the aware the wisdom of grandmaster tantai to understand that order and if that was the case that we had to do all three of those most people would not qualify for enlightenment and they use an example of loading a small ship with too many heavy stones and sinking it so basically overloading something that's not in the best shape or prepared for can overload it. I see it happen all the time in Buddhism. People come in and without a teacher, they can't self-regulate as far as teachings. They jump in uh, without knowing how to swim and they struggle and that fear stays with them because Buddhism, as we all know and we through our practice, brings up things that are extremely complicated and challenging because we're going somewhere where no one has gone before as Mara said to the Buddha when he became awakened under the Bodhi tree. Asking too much of people in, in especially the Mapo age would be consistent with the idea of ignorance. So therefore, as we see, a lot of systems of Buddhism are not applicable to the modern situation. We see that all the time, and this is also a pull and take type thing that um, that people are in kind of, a, uh, you know, 
questioning and being able to uh, challenge because it, the effectiveness of the teaching sometimes they don't know because we don't have a wisdom to what is to take away and what is to leave, right? So it undermines the ability to sustain the Buddha Dharma. So actually the way that Buddhism is now uh, in a lot of carrying on, the in, if you carry incorrect practices over, it's unsustainable. And obviously we're looking for sustainability. That's a big word that we all use uh, in the modern times. The easiest, the easiest is to keep neither the precepts nor contemplation, but the Buddha's wisdom. Now, of course, you know, if you are able to understand the precepts, it's very beneficial. So it's not saying just throw away the precepts, throw away meditation. It's not saying that at all. What it is saying is that for most people, the majority of people, it is very difficult to enter Buddhism through those doors. Um, many people have may have experienced that through other teachings uh, who focus on those specific points. But it doesn't mean that you just ignore them. So we can keep the precepts. We can receive the precepts. Because everything is the Buddha Dharma. It's the Buddha Dharma's message. But we have to be able to give people the main point to see into the purpose of those things. So what it's saying is that the entrance is not necessarily, for most people, the majority of people, going to be through the precepts or contemplation, but the Buddha's wisdom. And if we are to ponder what is this Buddha's wisdom that we're talking about, Nichiren Shonen states very clearly in this letter, and this is what he determined through his study and practice, that it is Namu Myoho Rengikyo, so Myoho Rengikyo the uh, title of the Lotus Sutra. But it's important that in this letter it states that the five characters of Myoho Renge Kyo neither represent the text of the sutra nor its meaning. They are nothing other than the essence of the Lotus Sutra. This is very important because, you know, obviously for... Beginners, we, people want to know what Myoho Renge Kyo is, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. So we explain it's the title of the Lotus Sutra. But it is not negated to that level. Of course it is, but we as Nichiren Buddhists accept it in a deeper faith through as the wisdom of the Buddha. That is what Nichiren Shonen focused on the Lotus Sutra. That the true aspect of the Buddha's enlightenment and purpose which is amazing because as I had read many sutras when I was a monk and in training in many different traditions, I always wondered, well, you know, it seemed like the Buddha, the Buddha had many things that he thought were extremely important. And every tradition seemed to have focused on a different part of that, where meditation was the only way, or by taking the precepts were the only way, right? But actually through the Lotus Sutra, as we see in Jigage, um, the true mind, the true essence of the Buddha is what's being transmitted to us. That is what our Buddha nature is responding to. It, it is a conversation beyond ourselves. It's very interesting, beyond our mind. And this is where the real idea of faith comes in. And that's phenomenal, because I had avoided the idea of faith, because I disliked the idea of crazy people thinking that they understood something or spoke to spirits or anything like that. But actually, this is an inherent faith that we have. And that, that's why when we hear it, 
we know it's true. We know that's where the idea of faith grows, is that by experiencing that, and what Nichiren Buddhism is doing is allowing people to directly experience it and to be able to um, reconnect to that Buddha's wisdom through the Daimoku. So the understanding of Nichiren Shonen and, and how he arrived at the idea of, about the, the Odaimoku, the great title, Namumyo Horengi Kyo, is not that it's simply the meaning of the sutra, but it is actually the heart and spirit of the Lotus Sutra. As I said, the essence of the Buddha. If you, when you meet somebody who is uh, an expert at something, you you want to get the, almost like their essence, at their their wisdom in that particular aspect. So that's why if you look at the ancient way of uh, internship or uh, for craftsmen or anything that it takes many years to imbue oneself with that wisdom, that then it becomes secondary, that no language is needed, that it's an inherent understanding that's practical to all aspects. So it's not a bunch of rules, i.e. precepts, that allow us to understand the Buddha's way. The precepts can help us to perhaps see a picture, an outline of it, but the only way that you're going to understand deeply enough to be a master or to have wisdom is through wisdom of the the correct wisdom of the Lotus Sutra, through the true mind of the Buddha. And of course we know the heart and the spirit are very elusive, but they were made into these characters so that we could facilitate it for anyone to easily and readily get them. So it is not a complicated practice. I remember when I started, I thought that it was way too easy, and that by it being easy, that it wasn't effective. But actually, as we learn, as we hopefully learn as we get older, that sometimes efficiency and simplicity is a way of wisdom to transmit someone something to someone. And I see this, I'm translating uh, Skomoto Sensei's writings, where most people would give a overlong lecture about a particular aspect, he was able to, through his practice and understanding, which which surmounts to wisdom, be able to transmit that through a way that they could understand that. And by chanting the Odaimoku Namu Horengi Kyo, it nurtures our true aspiration towards enlightenment. This is the sustainability of it. Because other practices are easy to not be able to totally sustain. I know people who have practiced contemplation for many years and have easily given it up because it was missing that wisdom, that, that idea of sustainability through faith. Just as, for instance, children feed on milk to grow without knowing what milk is. Right? This is automatically, they have an um, instinct Feeding on milk is a spontaneous act, as we see with children. And also, as we use, of course, the idea of the great medicine, that is, the good doctor prescribes to us to cure illness without having to inquire what its compounds are. These are two examples that are cited in the letter, so that we don't approach Namumyo Horengi Kyo as a mental exercise but we simply chant it to have this experience. And that in itself 
is what will emancipate ourselves, what will bring ourselves to tranquility, to liberation. That is the correct idea of the Buddha Dharma and the declining latter age of the of Buddhism, of the teaching. And this is the essentially the most important part of the compassion of the Buddha, that it's made into a word. It is written into characters. And this is how Nichiren Shonen understood it. And that's why, and that's how I've come to this situation that I comprehend it as well. And that's why we can chant the Odaimoku with anyone. It's interesting that I feel I had to go beyond my own kind of, not kind of, my own ignorance to understand and have faith in the simplicity of this te- of this teaching. Um, but through experience, which was, of course, grown by faith that was even beyond my own ego, because if I followed my ego, as we all know, it leads us into disparity. But that faith was something beyond thought, beyond even my own control, which was amazing, that leads us naturally and efficiently and spontaneously towards this awakening of who we are. It, it's as if the Buddha through Namu Myoho Rengikyo awakens us to our true nature, to who we are. That One of the realizations that I feel is that I know in the bones of my body and the sinews of my flesh that I am the children, child of the Buddha. That I have the connection with the Buddha. That That is an amazing feeling. That is an amazing awareness. And it, it's interesting because it doesn't, just as the child knows to take the milk. I know even against all my characteristics know that by taking the medicine of Namu Myoho Renge Kyo that I will be able to move forward towards tranquility and awakening and through understand the true mind of the Buddha. So I hope that this has been a useful lecture for you and uh I hope all of you will have a great week and I look forward to our next discussion. Thank you. Namu myoho renge kyo.